Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mblex Test Prep Podcast. Of course, my name is David. Uh, hopefully you already know that. If not, if you're new to the show, welcome. Welcome to the Mblex Test Prep Podcast. My name is David. I am uh, your host on this wonderful, fabulous, magical journey through the world of the Massage and Bodywork Licensing Exam. Um, so, of course, I always start every episode with a little bit of an update. I know it's been a while since I've made a podcast, and there are reasons for that. Typically, I would record a podcast in the middle of the day when my oldest child is at school and my youngest child is taking a nap. The youngest child has decided he is no longer taking naps, and my oldest child, well, with everything going on in the world, he's not going to school. So uh, trying to record a podcast in a, in a quiet environment is a little tricky these days. This is actually the latest I've ever recorded. It's almost 11 o'clock in the evening right now, so it's uh, it's pretty late for me to record one of these podcasts. This is typically, typically my bedtime, but uh, but hey, I got to get a podcast out for you. Um, so, uh, so there's that going on. I hope everybody out there is staying safe. Um, uh, th- taking precautions, of course, uh, using your personal protective equipment when you can, just to make sure that you don't uh, you don't succumb to the uh, the coronavirus or or anything like that. So, uh, stay safe, be safe. Um, I am hard at work on the 2021 edition of my study guide which you can find on Amazon, hopefully soon, uh, soon, should be within the next month or so. Just go to Amazon.com or MblexTestPrep.com. Search for Mblex Test Prep. Uh, search for my, my name, David Merlino. That's Merlin with an O at the end. If you don't see my name on it, it's not my book. Uh, that's, that's the easiest thing I can say, because unfortunately people like to steal my, steal my name, steal my, uh, my, my study guide name. So look for my name on the book, uh, as the author, that's how you know it's mine. Um, so definitely check that out. And, um, I, I can't think of anything else to possibly say at this moment. So, um, I'm going to take a, uh, really quick break and when I get back, we'll get started. Welcome back. All right, so today we are going to talk about hypertension. So, what is hypertension? Of course, we I, I always, always tell you to look at your medical terminology, use your medical terms to break down the names of things like diseases. So that, that kind of can help you figure out exactly what's going on with this disease without you know knowing too much about it you just look at the name you break down the name and that can give you the the kind of just the overall just the general idea of the disease okay so hypertension okay tension that's not really uh, a, a word that we need to break down but hyper we can break that down into something like too much or excessive right so hypertension excessive tension. Now, what do you think we are experiencing excessive tension in with hypertension? Is it the heart? Is it the veins? Is it the capillaries? It's actually the arteries that we feel 
um, excessive tension in, above tension, too much tension in the arteries. Okay, so there are a lot of things that can actually um, contribute to the development of hypertension. Okay, and, and hypertension can also contribute to the development, towards the development of other diseases. Uh, unfortunately, it's just one of those things where, where some diseases cause hypertension and hypertension cause diseases, and sometimes they cause each other, which is never a good thing, of course. Okay, um, so let, let's talk about what we're looking at with hypertension and blood pressure specifically, because that's that's how we measure hypertension. I know we've all been to a doctor. We've all had the the cuff put around the arm, uh, and it's it's been inflated, squeezes really hard, and that feels the amount of pressure being placed on the arteries as blood actually passes through the arteries or doesn't pass through the arteries. Okay, so when we look at blood pressure, we're dealing with two specific numbers, two specific numbers that we are concerned with. One is the systolic pressure, and one is the diastolic pressure. Okay, so when we when we write down the blood pressure reading, we have two numbers. One number is higher, and one number is lower. And we put the higher one on top and the lower one on bottom. Okay, so the higher, the higher one, the average uh, reading there is about 120. Okay, the lower reading, the lower number is 80. Uh, average, average, of course, 80. Okay, so when we're talking about hypertension, of course, like I said, we're dealing with systolic and diastolic pressure. So looking at those two numbers, knowing that one of them has to deal with blood, the pressure felt in arteries as blood passes through the arteries, and one deals with pressure in the arteries when there isn't blood passing through the arteries, um, which one do you think is going to be the number associated with blood passing through the arteries? Is it going to be the higher number? Is there going to be more pressure when blood is passing through the arteries? Or is it going to be the lower number when blood isn't passing through the arteries? What do you think? Now, I I mean, just kind of common sense would tell you that the higher number is going to be associated with the increased amount of pressure felt in arteries because blood is passing through them, right? Whereas the lower number would be... (laughs) I forgot to uh, put my phone on silent. I apologize. The lower number would be associated with, with no blood passing through the artery at that time, right? So... Which is which? Is systolic pressure when blood is traveling through an artery? Or is systolic pressure when blood is not traveling through that portion of the artery at that time? What do you think? If you guessed systolic pressure is when blood is traveling through an artery... You are correct. Absolutely correct. Sorry to keep you in suspense. 
you are correct. Uh, systolic pressure is going to be the higher of the two numbers. That is the pressure you feel when blood passes through the arteries. So when you are taking somebody's pulse, and um, I mean you can do this on yourself. You can you can identify like your radial pulse, um, or or you, you you can try to find your apical pulse, the apex of the heart, uh, where the heart kind of kind of curves around at the bottom, um, or even even in your um, in your neck, you can feel the pulse in your neck. Um, when you feel that, when you feel that wave of the blood traveling through the arteries, that's the systolic pressure that you are feeling. Okay. Now, when you um, don't feel blood traveling through the arteries, you are reading the diastolic pressure. There's still pressure in the arteries, of course, but definitely not as much because there isn't a wave of blood being transported through the artery at that time. So it just kind of like, just like relaxes. You can think of it kind of as um, a wave on a beach, just, just slowly lapping in, right? The water laps in. That would be the systolic pressure where you have that, that wave of blood coming in and then it slowly recedes out and, and the beach is nice and calm and relaxed. And then more water rushes onto the beach, your systolic pressure again, and then it's nice and calm and relaxed, your diastolic pressure. So hopefully that, uh, that kind of helps you um, identify the two, which is which the higher versus the lower number. Let me get a drink of water really quick. Always say hydrated, folks, of course. <clears throat> so hypertension is when our blood pressure is too high. And what's too high, uh, when, how we figure out what's too high is we look at these numbers that are produced when you have your arm in the cuff. And if the, if the pressure felt is greater than 140 with the systolic pressure and 90, so, so we would say 140 over 90 because the higher number is over on top of the lower number, right? 140 over 90 would mean you have hypertension. 130 to 140 with the systolic pressure means you are pre-hypertension where you're close. You're getting there, but not quite. All right. And of course, you know, it's when you get these blood pressure readings, you can't just do it once and say that's how you are uh, all the time. Uh, it, it's one of those things you have to constantly kind of monitor to, to get it kind of a baseline. It's like uh, I think last year I, I went to the doctor with my youngest kid and he was what one and a half at the time and he was walking around and everything and I'm just trying to keep him out of things like a biohazard trash cans, right? Uh, so, I mean, he's he's a toddler, you know. What are you going to do? Um, but it, it can still be a little bit stressful trying to keep him uh, from getting in trouble and, and getting to things he really shouldn't be near. So, you know, carrying him and everything is kind of an exercise too. So by the time they actually took my blood pressure... Um, I, w I was about 
my blood pressure was like 135 over something. I, I just remember the higher number, um, the systolic pressure. So, but my blood pressure is usually really good. It's, it's usually like 117 over 78 about there. So, so the, the doctor looked at that one blood pressure reading and I, I can't remember if that was the first time I'd seen her or the second, I think it was the first time I'd seen her. So she looked at that and instantly decided I have, I have, um, a blood pressure problem and, and I need to, um, start doing, um, you know, exercises and taking, uh, all of these natural things to help with my blood pressure. And it's like, no, I'm, I just, I'm just, I've got my kid and I was carrying him and it's kind of an exercise and, uh, you know, a little stressful. So you can't just take one blood pressure reading and assume that that's how somebody always is or how you always are. You gotta, you gotta take multiple readings, of course. So that, that's just an example of, you know, mine was a little higher because of certain circumstances happening, whereas usually it's not that high, okay? So, so again, pre-high blood pressure is 130 over about 85, I believe. Hypertension is 140 over 90. That, that means you have a lot of pressure being felt in the arteries whenever your heart pumps the blood. And there could be a lot of different reasons for that. Some of them could be dietary. Some of them could be related to other medical conditions. Like, let's let's take a look at what happens with the heart. And, I mean, the heart is one of the... I mean, the heart pumps the blood, right? So the heart kind of determines how much pressure the the arteries are going to feel as blood travels through them. So when the, when the heart is having some sort of issue, some sort of problem, like let's talk about the uh, coronary arteries, the arteries that supply the heart with blood. And I can't remember. You can go back and listen to, to, I think it's episode three of the podcast. Uh, I talk about the heart. I can't remember if I mentioned the coronary arteries, but, but the heart doesn't just absorb blood. Of course it has arteries to provide it with blood, just like every muscle, right? The coronary arteries are, they can be prone to blockages and, and the development of plaque inside of them. So when that happens, and this can happen in in any artery, and this is something that definitely hypertension can lead to stuff like this happening. When you have an excessive amount of plaque building up in an artery, uh, that's called atherosclerosis, okay? That can start to block the flow of blood through the artery, so think of it as, you know, you're driving down like a six-lane highway and a plenty of space for everybody, and then all of a sudden uh, two or three lanes tell you, no, everybody has to merge down into, down into a couple lanes. That's going to create kind of a blockage in, in the flow of traffic, right? It's kind of the same thing with your with your arteries if you have a bunch of plaque built up in your arteries right all that blood all those blood cells your erythrocytes are trying to kind of jam through that that narrowed artery and you're not going to be able to get enough blood unless 
the heart decides, hey, I, I have to pump just a little bit harder. Okay, so when you have an elevated blood pressure, your heart's beating a little bit harder to force the blood into places where maybe it's having a little bit more trouble. Now, when you have high, hyper hypertension, your heart is pumping really hard to really force the blood where it needs to go. So a, a lot of times atherosclerosis is one of the leading causes of hypertension. Okay. And that can contribute to the development of things like blood clots. Cause you think about all the blood trying to squeeze through that, that narrowed artery, you're going to have uh, some blood cells kind of latching onto that plaque and you get too much of those and that can cause a blood clot. And if that blood clot or if one of those parts of the plaque breaks off and starts floating around in the bloodstream, it becomes an embolus and an embolus can get stuck in an artery and completely block blood, blood flow through that artery. And that can cause things like a stroke or, um, you know, you, if you get an embolus, uh, an embolism in something like the lungs or the heart itself, like if, if you have a blood clot or there's a piece of plaque blocking like one of the um, one of the valves in the heart, that can kill you. So <laughs> definitely don't want that. So that's I mean, that's something that can happen when you have hypertension and atherosclerosis. OK, so if you have a blockage because the heart might be pumping a little harder, that's going to put extra strain on the arteries as well, where the blockage is. Okay. I mean, not just where the blockage is, but that's where you're going to definitely experience um, a lot of pressure because the it's just trying to force the blood through there. And what that does when you have too much pressure in that area, what you can end up, getting is um, the the wall of the artery can become weak. And when the wall of the artery becomes weak, it can do things like develop an aneurysm, which is never good. So an aneurysm is kind of a, a bulge. Uh, just imagine like kind of a bubble coming off of uh, an artery, right? And that's where the artery wall has weakened as a result as a result of the hypertension being placed on the arterial wall. Now, if that wall were to burst open, arteries carry oxygenated blood, and they are the largest blood vessels in the body. So if that breaks open, you're going to lose a lot of oxygenated blood. And if it's in a place like the abdominal aorta, a, a major blood vessel, you're going to lose potentially too much blood and end up dead or, I don't know, uh, in a coma or, or it, definitely in the hospital. you you got to get that taken care of quick. And unfortunately, aneurysms are one of those things that are asymptomatic. Just like hypertension, a lot of times, a lot of people don't know that they have hypertension until they get tested for it, of course, every time you go to anything like the dentist or, or a doctor, they're going to take your blood pressure. So you should have an idea of what your blood pressure is. Okay. Um, so let, let's talk about 
you know, some causes of hypertension um, that aren't directly related to other conditions. Okay. Uh, Cigarette smoking, excessive drinking, of course, can cause hypertension. Um, Obesity, um, excessive sodium intake can cause it. Uh, Just a a lot of things. It's a lot of it is kind of diet based and exercise based and, and, uh, reducing things like plaque that's building up in your arteries. If you have too much cholesterol or lipids floating around in your blood, eventually those are going to start attaching to the walls of arteries. And that's going to lead to something like hypertension. So hypertension, it, it can be one of those things where it's like, Hey, there's something going on here and we got to figure out what it is, why it's here and what we can do to treat it. Okay. So let's talk about treating hypertension. So of course, um, you know, if, if there's something like too much plaque, too, too, too many lipids floating around in the bloodstream, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to exercise, diet, try to reduce the amount of lipids you are consuming, and that can help lower the blood pressure as a result, okay? Um, So medications that work against cholesterol are great to help control hypertension. So stuff like statins, S-T-A-T-I-N-S, can help regulate hypertension by reducing the cholesterol in the body. Well, what's a what's up? Well, no, I think metformin is a, is a medication that helps to reduce cholesterol. So, um, so we, I mean, there are. It's usually something where you got to treat what's causing the hypertension, not the hypertension itself. Okay, um, so if if you if if somebody smokes and they have hypertension probably a good idea to stop smoking i mean there are, there are a multitude of reasons to stop smoking but hey we're all adults we can do whatever we want right we understand the risks but if you have hypertension you don't want hypertension and you smoke yeah, maybe a good idea to stop smoking uh drinking as well as as somebody that loves alcohol that would be a hard one for me but i don't know if it's if it's my health or drinking alcohol, uh, maybe I'd consider it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so, you know, reducing the amount of sodium you're consuming. Redu- I mean, just eating healthier, being healthier, doing things like exercise and dieting and eating the right things and uh, stress management as well, doing things like meditating or getting massages or uh, even going to the gym for me working out is is kind of my form of meditation where yeah it, it really helps me mentally function a lot better when I'm able to that's that's why this uh man every everything shutting down including my gym has been uh, kind of a nightmare for me because I'm like I'm just I've just been really stressed out without that kind of that outlet, uh, to be able to, you know, just get my, get my energy out. Um, so 
fortunately, just changing things like your diet and exercising and and doing things that kind of control your mind and and your mood and how you approach things can really help with hypertension. Okay, so that can help get that get those numbers from 140 over 90 back down to 120 over 80 systolic 120 diastolic 80. Um, so again, hypertension you kind of treat the the what's causing the hypertension, not the hypertension itself. Okay, uh, so I I hope that was informative. I hope you learned a thing or two about hypertension. I know I did. Uh, well, I guess I already know all this stuff. Sorry. So. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break when I get back. Uh, again, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I, I, that's why I'm taking a break, so I can figure out what's next. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll be back. Hold on. Welcome back. So I figured out what we're going to do, and I've, I, I started recording what we were going to do, and I decided, eh try something else okay so we're gonna do we're gonna talk about a study skill uh a a specific study skill that i i really think you need to uh you need to pay attention to okay so of course we're all studying for the mblex that's why you're here listening to this podcast listening to my ravishing voice of course very dreamy um see I, i can't even say it with a straight face i know i know um so when we study, we should be taking breaks, right? You should be taking breaks. Now, how long do you take a break for? Now, if you've listened to my previous podcast on study skills and test-taking techniques, I mean, good job. I appreciate it. That's probably the most important podcast you could you should listen to. So if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it after this. It's about it's it's over an hour long of study skills and test taking tips and techniques that you can use on the Mblex. Okay, so listen to that podcast. Very important. Okay, so when you are studying, you should be taking breaks. And I know everybody kind of kind of has this idea in their head that they need to study for a really, really long time for hours and hours and hours on end. I mean, think about it. Think about you studying right now. How long do you study for before taking a break? You tell me. How long do you study for before taking a break? Because I can tell you it's way too long. I know some of you are saying, I study for an hour. Or I study for half an hour. Or I study for 15 minutes. All of those are too long. Okay? Now, you need to study for... I would say no longer than about 10 minutes. Okay? Study for 10 minutes and then take a break. And it doesn't have to be a long break. It's just something that disconnects you from your studying. Okay, so an example could be I'm I study for 10 minutes, then I put my book down, I get up, I walk around the house, and then I come back and start studying again. Okay, so it's something like like 
that that's really simple. It, it just disconnects your brain from the studying. Now, why do we want to only study for 10 minutes, then take a break, and then start studying again? Wouldn't it? Can't we just keep studying? I know some of you are saying. Yeah, we could. But here's the thing. When you start studying for an extended period of time, and this happens to me too. I'm currently proofreading my next study guide. This happens to me all the time, and I need to. I really need to start taking breaks But you know, when I get in the zone. It's, it's, you start kind of zoning out. Basically, you start thinking about other things, daydreaming. Um, maybe you start getting a little tired. I know I get tired, man. When, when I'm studying or reading something like that, I definitely get tired. So um, taking a break kind of forces you to pay attention during that small increment of time. This is called the serial position effect, S E. R-I-A-L, not cereal like the food cereal. I'm making myself hungry, but uh, get some cinnamon toast crunch. Anyway, the cereal position effect. Okay, so you remember things at the beginning and end of study sessions better than things in the middle. So the theory is you shorten your study sessions. So you rem- let's, let's say it's a 10-minute block, okay? So you would remember maybe the first three minutes and the last three minutes or the first four minutes and the last four minutes. Let's do that. First four minutes and the last four minutes of your study session you would pay attention to. And right in the middle is that two-minute window where your mind is kind of wandering off and you start thinking about other things. Then you kind of snap back into it and you're like, oh, yeah, I need to, need to keep studying, right? As opposed to an hour, let's just kind of keep it the, keep it the same same length here. If you study for an hour nonstop, which I don't recommend you do, you're going to have 15 minutes at the front where you maybe remember everything. You're going to have 15 minutes at the end where you maybe remember everything. But then you got 30 minutes in the middle of your study session that you have to relearn and go over again. And that's not going to be fun. It's like, why did you just waste your time? You know, as opposed to the 10 minutes. So out of a possible 60 minutes, if you study this way, you know, if you remember four at the beginning of your studies and four at the end, and then you forget the two in the middle, what's two times six? 12, you'd only have 12 minutes of information to restudy as opposed to 30 minutes, right? So I'm, I'm all about making things much more efficient. And that sounds much more efficient to me. You know, less study time, less things to restudy just by getting up and taking a break after 10 minutes. I don't know. I know. Listen, it doesn't. It doesn't work for everybody. A small portion of people, they, they do a lot better without taking that break. But for most people, this is something that works. So give it a shot. At least give it a shot. You might be rolling your eyes at me saying, oh, that'll never work. And I'm, ah. You won't know unless you try it, will you? So just give it a shot. See how you like it. Okay? So 10 minutes, take a break for like maybe a couple minutes. 10 minutes, take another couple minute break. See if it works. See how much you remember by doing that. Okay.
All right, so that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the MBLEX Test Prep Podcast. Once again, my name is David Merlino. If you are interested in purchasing my study guide, I would greatly appreciate that. Just head to Amazon.com, search for uh, MBLEX Test Prep. Look for any book that has my name on it. That's how you know it's mine, not somebody else's. Um, Pretty please look for my name. What else? Um, oh, you you could also go to emblextestprep.com. I have direct links, direct links to the Amazon sales page on my website. So uh, might be easier just to go to emblextestprep.com and uh, and try to order through there. Um, and if you could donate one dollar per episode per per episode of this podcast, that would be awesome. Possum, I do this completely free of charge, and uh, donation is all I ask. Just head to mblextestprep.com, hit the podcast button up at the top, and you should see the donate button on that page. Um, so I, I I would appreciate it. That's all. That's all. Just just a little something something for my troubles. Um, helps keep the lights on, of course. So, other than that, until next time, this is David saying, ah, I always have trouble with what I'm going I know how to say hello in Portuguese. I don't know how to say goodbye. How do you say goodbye in Portuguese? I don't know. Goodbye. Take it easy. Bye.